The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Are you longing for a place where hope, ideas, and new ways of thinking can arise? For nearly 50 years, Omega Institute's campus in Rhinebeck, New York, has been a gathering place where world-class teachers provide innovative educational experiences that cultivate extraordinary potential in us all. Join us either on campus or online. To learn more, visit eomega.org. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Yeah, in my opinion, I think all the countries will get their acts together. And uh, I think they'll get their act together. There's no doubt. And and I and I am sure that we will have this this magic seventy percent herd uh, immunity by September October of this year. Uh, I think most countries are predicting that they will be able to reach that goal in the summertime, even June July, uh, and and I think they will do it. I think they've learned. Welcome to the Mentor TV podcast and stay curious with Patricia Falco-Bekali. Good to see you back here on Mentory TV for another episode from Crisis to Creation. I'm Patricia Falco-Bekali, your host. And let me first of all say thank you again. You are so responsive, make a lot of comments, thumbs up. And if you do like what we're doing here, please just join us. Subscribe for free to Mentory TV. Hit the bell button so I can always keep you informed about our latest videos with awesome guests. Now, today, we're going to look at something that's actually quite timely. I mean, we are in the middle of February, and vaccinations across the globe have been going on for about two months, depending on the country. But by now, my latest statistics tell me that we have about 173 million people vaccinated across the globe. But think about how big the globe is and how many people we uh, have here on the globe. So there are billions. So vaccination, the process of vaccination is really going rather slow if you're trying to really fight the COVID-19 pandemic in an efficient way. So I thought, why not reach out to Mike Baronian? He is the CEO of Asset Pharmaceuticals. He's based here in Switzerland, but he operates across the globe. Asset Pharmaceuticals really is a company that deals very much with logistical issues, with distribution worldwide, and also the production of vital ingredients of pharmaceuticals in general. Mike, so good to have you here on Mentory TV. Thank you. Good to be on. Well, Mike, listen, let's get straight into the deep of it. And I have so many questions when it comes to the vaccination process, but even before vaccinations and logistics, I mean, the development, the R&D time to create these vaccines coming through from Pfizer and now also Johnson Johnson is supposed to uh, be approved in the EU and Moderna, that was fast. I mean, in the pharmaceutical industry, it takes years and years and billions and billions to develop any kind of drugs and then go through the the different phases of trials before they are approved. How come that the vaccinations against the COVID-19 pandemic, the virus, have been so fast? 
Well, I think the leadership came from the United States. There's no doubt. Uh, I think it came from Fauci and it came from the uh, uh, former president, Trump, uh, and his group. Uh, there's no doubt that, that uh, the world is at war against this virus. So they had to make some changes and they had to make some uh, quick decisions. And uh, you're absolutely right. Normally it would take anywhere from seven to 10 years to get a product uh, on the market. But in this case, I mean, we're seeing products that are being approved within one year, within 10 months, in some cases, within eight months, depending. And the speed of development, uh, typically it might take uh, maybe three years, four years of, of uh, clinicals and, and, and review and everything else. And, you know, we've done it, uh, or at least the industry has done it within months. And I think this is the, the, to the credit uh, of all the men and women that are in the uh, regulatory uh, uh, and health authorities worldwide, but especially with the leadership of the United States. I think the U.S. Uh, Fauci and his group, CDC, everyone has done a tremendous job, really mm -hmm. a tremendous job. Well, and I think that's the reason for it, honestly. Yeah, well, leadership in a crisis is absolutely fundamental. And yeah. we have it from a health professional rather than from some of um, the, the other political leaders is at least a good thing. But still, you know, I'm hearing around and a lot of people distrust. So whilst we do have an extremely speedy development and also approval process, it doesn't necessarily mean right now that a lot of people trust in it. Because everybody says to me, for example, well, you know, how come? You know, normally it's 10 years plus the three to four years, as you were just mentioning, for the testing. I mean, I'm not going to get vaccinated. Who knows what they're going to put in our bodies? Okay, I think that's a legitimate concern. First of all, I, I also should tell you that all of those seven to 10 years or however long it's, it takes normally to approve a drug is necessarily efficient. I mean, there are a lot of bureaucrats in the system, too. And and this this time around, we bypassed that. So I hope the people that say those things have to take into consideration that there's probably about 50% wasted time because of bureaucracy, okay? Uh, that it doesn't add value to the process, okay? And the other thing is that, uh, you know, whether it's the FDA uh, or whether it is any health authority, including here in Switzerland, uh, I don't think people should think that just because we've uh, accelerated things and, and speeded up things, that the quality is any less than what it would be. In the clinical trials, I mean, I'm sure uh, all of the people have heard, uh, I mean, these companies, uh, with, with the subsidies of the United States, of course, uh, the government, I mean... We've had clinicals with 30,000, 50,000, 60,000 people in a very short period of time and testing them and, and over and over again and scrutinizing it and, and reviewing it. I mean, I think people that say things like that are maybe used to the old system, bureaucratic, slow, and, uh, and yeah. 
anyway. Yeah. yeah, no, I think bureaucratic and slow. And you know what my gut reaction was to this kind of distrust that I also hear about uh, from even my circle of friends and acquaintances is, and you just mentioned the old world, Mike, I'm very happy you said that. For me, it is possible, yes, leadership, but it is possible because we have perhaps better technology and there was a huge financial push. So it can be done if you put technology, so know-how, and your mind and the money behind a project. Do you think what we've seen now in the development of the vaccine for the COVID-19 will actually change the old bureaucratic way of developing drugs into something much more speedy? Well, I hope so. Uh, I do believe that the data that we have gathered now in the last uh, 11 months uh, is a gold mine. I mean, uh, we have been, uh, I don't think we've ever done anything of this sort. Uh, and we're continuously learning. Uh, we have all sorts of data now that we've never had. And we have the computer power. We have the people power to be able to analyze it and come up with better systems. If we can move forward in, in a better way, yes, I do believe that. Uh, because I do believe that the drug development takes unnecessarily long. And we should cut it back by at least 50%. And without affecting the quality, sorry, without affecting the quantity, I think that the bureaucracy does not add value, okay? And where, where it does add value, we should really reinforce that. And, and the other thing that, that we have experienced, which I don't think will change in the future, is the fact that, that the government subsidized a lot of these risk-taking ventures, which is called clinical trials, because you don't know where it's going to end up. So the government, especially the United States, put in billions and billions of dollars at play uh, and, and told Johnson Johnson, here's $500 million, told Moderna, here's one and a half billion, told Novavax, here's another billion, billion and a half, just move and move quickly. Don't worry about failing because that failure, you know, we will take the risk. You don't need to take the risk. So in a real world, a company would never do that. A company will do the development sequentially. Uh, but in this time, uh, this time around, they did the manufacturing transfer. They wrote contracts. They have secured supply at the same time as they were running clinicals. I mean, Moderna, for instance, uh, secured a, a 1 billion dose uh, supply with Lonza here in Switzerland. I mean, no one knew whether the, the product would work or not. Normally, companies do not do that. So there, I do not see much change. Yeah, that's that's very interesting one, because right at the beginning, you, you said, well, we are in a war. So in war times... You know, you can pull up your panties and actually march very differently to what is the norm or the normal beforehand. And I think that's a very interesting issue. Coming back to the COVID-19 vaccine and the rollout, you were just uh, mentioning about, okay, here's the money for the research. Here's the money for the development. Get it onto the market as fast as possible. Okay, we got there. But I just pulled out the latest data, Mike, on the actual vaccinations that have been happening over the last, let's say, roughly two months. So we're in the middle of February, um, the 17th to be precise. And I look at the statistics 
Um, and for example, in Switzerland, we have 8.5 million people, 5.6% have been vaccinated so far. In Germany, that started vaccinations on the 27th of December 2020, Germany has 3.3% of more than 82 billion, uh, million people, 82 million people vaccinated. What's going on? Is it normal, natural? Uh, is, it, is it a logistical question or an implementation question? Implementation being vaccination. Why so little in such an amount of time? Okay, first of all, I think the first product that was uh, approved is the Pfizer-BioNTech product. And it does have logistical challenges. And, and I think the hopes uh, of, of many, many people were that as soon as the vaccine is available, they will be able to get vaccinated immediately within months or within weeks. And I think the BioNTech one that was uh, Pfizer one that was approved, uh, I mean, I don't know of too many people that are able to uh, uh, handle a product at minus 70. And uh, so there, there's no doubt that the, uh, it was slow because of uh, logistics initially with uh, uh, Pfizer's product. And it's still a major challenge. And uh, I think Moderna, that came up, which is at, at uh, freezer temperatures, minus 20. Yeah. <clears throat> and, and, and the J&J one and the AstraZeneca one, uh, I think it'll make it much easier from a logistical point of view. Mm -hmm. But the other problem that maybe people underestimate is that, and this is where... I really take my head off to the United States. I mean, it they they put so much money on the table and they said do not to the companies, do not worry about that. You know, here's the money, secure the manufacturing, secure the manufacturing, okay? And uh even if the product might not work. So therefore they secured the manufacturing, but still the manufacturing has its limits. You might secure it for about maybe 12 months, but you know a rollout doesn't mean that you have one year supply. At that rollout, you have you know, whatever you have week by week, and and I think that's the major issue is is the bottleneck at, in in manufacturing, and then of course you have countries like ourselves here in Switzerland that is uh, has one of the best healthcare systems in the world. Uh, we have our ways of implementation that is very, very organized, and we would like to do it at 100%. But at war, you don't fool around with 100%. 70% is good enough. Yes, you know, 70% so. is good enough. I'd, I'd yeah. absolutely say so. And you just look yeah. at the speed. I agree. So I, I just don't think that we culturally in Switzerland can deal with these things. And, and maybe Germany has the same issues. I don't know. I don't know the German uh, situation that well. But I know we like perfection. And we want to put in and implement a system in Switzerland that works and works at 100%. And we create centers, the information, the everything, administration, logistics. And, and, and <laughs> I just think that's a lot of uh, 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 wishes that uh, in, in such a situation is not required. 
Let me quickly interrupt the conversation to say thank you that you are here with me on the channel. If you do enjoy what I'm putting out, the in-depth kind of conversations, then why don't you subscribe and also hit the bell button so I can keep you informed with our newest releases. Thanks for that in advance and let's get back to the conversation. Coming back to what you were just saying, manufacturing is the key. Yes, the US put a lot of money on there, but bottlenecks are created. But the bottleneck doesn't necessarily only is at the manufacturing level. It can already be at the supply level of the individual ingredients. And then if you say to me, you know, it's kind of almost understandable that you do have manufacturing delays or bottlenecks, then I think, all right, we do have a world pandemic. We've got like uh, almost 8 billion people, more or less 8 billion people on the planet. The COVID-19 crisis hits globally. So uh, you do need to know that the manufacturing capability might be tenfold, might have to be tenfold of whatever, you know, Pfizer, BioNTech, or Moderna may be able to do. So you have to, I mean, I think so. I would go like, okay, so where can we source from other smaller players, small, medium-sized manufacturers, potentially the, you know, their facilities, their plants, in order to really cater for a world pandemic in quantity. Okay, well, I'd say it's a very valid point. Uh, very, very valid. But I'm not so sure uh, that we have all that much capacity uh, to be able to deal with this. Uh, I mean, Lonza... Uh, has the capacity, or at least uh, whatever Moderna wanted, and and they and they secured that contract last year. I forget when it was, but I think it must have been early on, somewhere in the first half of last year. And uh, but I mean, there's so much loans I can do. Yeah, yeah, sure. I mean, they committed to uh, X amount. And but you know the capacity is capacity. You don't add capacity overnight. That takes a bit of time. I think one of the largest manufacturers of vaccines is in India, and uh, and AstraZeneca secured that. And and I think other people are going there too because they're a tremendous manufacturer. And I think they're the largest in the world, mm-hmm. the Serum Institute, and uh, in India. So. Everyone is doing all they can. I'm not so sure that the manufacturing issues can be handled any differently than they have been handled. What we can do is that administer and administer uh, the, the available vaccines as quickly as possible and avoid adding structures to the system that we already have. We have a great healthcare system in the world, especially here in Switzerland. I don't know why we need to create all these centers and everything else. Why not just let the GPs handle it? I mean, they have their, they know who the people are. They, I mean, each one has their, their base and just give them the product and they know what to do. You know, Mike, I'm so happy you mentioned that. Um, And this would be my next question is exactly that, is, okay, everything takes time, right? But when I think about, okay, I put my hat on, I'm the leader of a country. Let's play that one. And I think I am spending billions on the research and development of a vaccine. I'm even ordering um, certain amounts to make sure that at least so and so many percent of my population is vaccinated very quick. How come, and I have not, I, we all have limited information what's going on politically. 
I get the impression that in terms of logistic and administration of the vaccines, a huge, huge loop has been created, a total failure. Because if you do this on this side, I have a product, I need to know my go-to-market strategy, and that needs to be spot on and fast and efficient. So whilst I'm spending money there, I should have really also spent money on logistics, or as you were just saying, make it really simple, get everybody a jab through whatever doctor they have a good relationship with, there's a normal GP, or at the entrance of a shopping center or whatever that even Boris Johnson came up with. But this complicated first, the 80 years above, then the 75 years above, then da-da-da-da-da, all the way through, why? Okay, well, uh, and it's interesting to note that the countries that have done well in the implementation of the available inventory or supply of vaccines that is uh, are countries that are basically known to be very good in the military. Uh, Israel being one of them, <laughs> and the other one is the UK. I think both of them uh, have been, uh, are, are very well known for their military well, they, again, uh, organizations and might, yes. <laughs> and I believe that, that uh, if, if I was uh, in charge of it here in Switzerland, I would kick all the bureaucrats out and I'll bring in the military. Uh, this is an emergency. This is a war. And when there's war, you bring in the military people. They know what to do. I mean, they live and train for these events. And they would have known what to do. Uh, so, um, I, I mean, the only thing I can tell you is that uh, uh, people uh, such as myself that are uh, is not trained in the military, I don't think we are suited for these kinds of environments. I think uh, people in the military should have been involved worldwide early because on. they know what to do much earlier on yeah, yeah, for yeah, the implementation. Yeah. yeah. I think I think what we've seen, at least in Germany, because, you know, I, I grew up in Germany, it, the military has been kind of pulled in tentatively, but as you were saying, perhaps too late. Uh, and also, they also need to be trained. So if you think that the military is plan of your strategy fighting that war against the COVID-19 pandemic, yeah, they should have been part of perhaps also the strategy. Oh, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Israel has done very well. The UK is doing very well, too. Um, I mean, how can anybody living in the in England or in the UK, uh, complain about the implementation. They're doing a, a great job in Israel. The same. Yeah, and what a U-turn yeah. it was for for <laughs> Boris Johnson, who said, "Okay, let's just get herd immunity. Nobody cares about it." Any kind of well, politicians. Like, yeah. Oh. Well, we can we can we can <laughs> speak forever about politicians. Yes. No, absolutely, it's so much fun. But um, let's play a little bit of a game here because I'm doing the math. I like numbers, but. Uh, I'm just thinking, okay, let's take Germany or even, you know, even um, Switzerland. Germany, 3.3% of the population has been vaccinated in two months, Mike. Mm -hmm. Until we get to 60%, I mean, are we going to, you know, jab around until 2023, 24? And until then we have on and off lockdowns? What, what's, what, I mean, what do you think? Oh, uh, I don't think so. No, I don't. I think by, uh, in my opinion, I think all the countries will get their acts together. And uh, I think they'll get their act together. There's no doubt. And, and, I, and I am sure that we will have this, this magic 70% herd 
uh, immunity by September, October of this year. Uh, I think most countries are predicting that they will be able to reach that goal in the summertime, even June, July. Uh, and, and I think they will do it. I think they've learned and the supply is going to come in. I mean, Pfizer is, is, Pfizer's product is not easy to move around at minus 70. Okay. Uh, so, and that's produced in, okay, part of it in, in US too, but I think in, in Germany. So I think that's a challenge. Uh, but they have we have so many other ones. I, I mean, the J and J one, yeah, yeah. J and J one is going to be available, and then hopefully in the next two three weeks. I mean, they just submitted here in Europe too, and and the US moves very quickly, and it's a great product because it's a it's a one shot, and 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 people forget about the Russian one. You know, and a lot of people laughed at the uh, Russian vaccine because it was done so quickly with about uh, 3,000 subjects and this and that and everything else. But at the end of the day, I mean, even the Lancet, uh, very prestigious uh, publication. Yeah, it is. And, and, and it came out and said, no, it's a, it seems to be very, very effective. It has 91 point something percent efficacy. And, uh, and it's a classical vaccine. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, I mean, we should, we should put them in also. We should review it and allow it. So the more vaccines we have, the better off we're going to be. And I think as far as the the kinks in this system that we have of implementation, we will work it out. Uh, It's just, uh, I mean, mean, I'm waiting. In February, as you know, uh, uh, for us, we don't have any new dates or anything else in Switzerland. We're all, we we don't have it. So we're waiting for March now to see what they're going to do. Yeah, yeah, we're also we're also on the waiting list with my husband as well, and we're going like, okay, when is it going to happen? Because yeah. we are actually belonging to those people that uh, want to get vaccinated. Uh, yeah, a couple of questions there with the vaccinations themselves, because there was this huge ethical debate whether or whether not to make the COVID nineteen vaccination actually mandatory, so dictated mm-hmm. by law. Or not, and you know the um, ethical uh, rat, ethics rat in Germany said no, absolutely not. People should be able to decide themselves. How do you stand on that question? Should it be something that is mandatory, considering we do have a global pandemic, or should we all just say, hey, if you like <clears throat> to do it? And that wraps up the first part of my conversation with Mike Baroni, and he's the CEO of Assad Pharmaceuticals. We are going to continue talking about the rollout of the vaccinations and, of course, the logistical question in that particular industry in general. And if you do like my conversation with my fabulous guests here on Mentory TV, why don't you subscribe? Join the community, hit the bell button. I can then always keep you informed about my latest videos. And also, thank you very much for all your comments, your ideas for guests. I really appreciate it. Your creating Mentory TV with me. And yes, thank you for liking and sharing as well. Are you ready to ignite your best life and illuminate the world? I'm Stephanie James. I'm a motivational speaker, transformation coach, and psychotherapist. And what lights me up is helping people just like you create the greatest versions of themselves. On my podcast, Igniting the Spark, 
I will help you ignite your joy and reach new heights in your personal and professional life. Join me for some incredible conversations with authors, spiritual teachers, and other influential thought leaders to help guide you on your way. If you are ready to stop playing small, join me for Igniting the Spark on the mindbodyspirit.fm network or wherever you get your podcasts and ignite your best life.